0: Hey, Mads, let's take a page break. Welcome to Page Break. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Madison. Mads is up to the plate, and it's her picking out this week. Mads, go.
1: So, of course, I picked Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
0: You are like just kind of killing it with our picks of television series, I have noticed. You have created a trend <laughs> on the Madison end of our weekly picks to where we are diving deep into a episodic situation.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty partial to television.
0: It's understandable. That's fine. I'm partial to movies, so honestly kind of equals out.
1: Totally does.
0: I just have to make sure that your television particulars don't weasel into my movie particulars because (laughs) i feel like this might happen i mean i've already picked one episode of television um which in fairness actually is not episodic it was a black mirror episode because i don't think that technically counts it's a different true function and form of thing but on the flip side if you had not picked fleabag i would not have enjoyed two seasons of perfect television and filmmaking Mm -hmm. for that madison i thank you very much
1: I think that's what's so great about this is we get to analyze so many different kinds of uh entertainment.
0: Right. And we get to show each other things we otherwise would never have really crossed our paths, honestly. Um
1: Which I totally need because I watch the same things over <laughs> and over again.
0: I do too. Um I but I find I end up finding weird stuff. Like I I I have to drag myself away from rewatching that same episode of Mystery Science Theater over and over again to watch a movie <laughs> I haven't seen before. Um mm-hmm. But usually it's just because, like, if somebody recommends something or, like, I hear somebody talk about a movie or, or, like, I just, I feel like I, then I kind of have to work my way around to ultimately watch it. Uh, like, I rewatched Sixth Sense the other day, which is <laughs> super stupid good uh, if you haven't rewatched that in a while. Um it's not a horror movie. It's a weird thing. It's a very, dr- huh. it's a very emotional, dramatic movie. But I would never classify it as a horror movie. It is a drama that features ghosts, uh, and it is absolutely great. But oh, I
1: love, I love a good ghost story. Oh,
0: the best ghost stories. Um, so Madison, would you like to please do the diligence of introducing this week's episode?
1: Absolutely, with honor. We are going to be doing season five. Episode sixteen, and that is titled "The Body," which you will find out why later, because it is so appropriate, so appropriately titled. <laughs>
0: Frankly, if if you know the, it's called the body. You may be wondering what what body, what body are we referring? Is it a body of water? Is it a body of government? And then, honestly, about thirteen seconds into the episode, you are <laughs> rudely awakened as to what the actual body is that is being referred to.
1: Uh, question, had you seen this before or no?
0: I was never a huge fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, not its own fault. It's one of those series Mm -hmm. of television shows that are just, it's kind of like the 100. So many episodes, (laughs) hard to dig into. Uh, I remember starting it a while back, enjoying it, but not following through. But the body was, weirdly, an episode that a guy I worked with, strongly pushed on me as something that I should watch. Um, Absolutely. Because he was super obsessed with Buffy, and he was like, dude, you have to watch this. episode." I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know who all these people are. Why would would this make sense? He's like, no, no, no. This will work just fine. And I watched it a while back, and I couldn't remember much about it when I sat down to watch it this time. Which is good. Which is good. But what I found that was very interesting is I still know nothing about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but... (laughs) It frankly doesn't matter. No. You don't have to. This this might as well just be an episode of the Twilight Zone. For all that the vampire slang frankly matters.
1: Mm -hmm. So the description of this episode, if you haven't seen it, is Buffy is thunderstruck when she finds the body of her dead mother. Dawn and the others are crushed and bewildered by the unexpected loss of a loved one. So sounds like Obviously a sad episode, but, you know, could be boring because it just sounds, like, emotional and, like, you have to be close to the characters to get it. But, oh, boy, that's wrong. You don't have to be close to these characters at all to feel supreme emotion. Well, what's funny about it
0: is that here's the thing about episodic television, specifically serialized episodic television. Normally, things play out per narrative rules. There's an, and it's just narrative when it comes to movies, television, uh, dramatic plays, musicals. There's a cause and an effect. There's an action and a reaction. Narrative plays off this idea that things happen for reasons, and those reasons are narratively important. And that is how we have been trained throughout an entire existence of watching film and television collectively as a group of humans. So, when something happens that goes against that narrative pattern, it feels wrong. Because, in reality, narrative patterns don't exist. Life is chaos, people die, and it's not because of some evil character wanting to get revenge all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's what struck me the hardest watching this episode is it is entirely based around a very simple concept that Buffy is a badass. Buffy kills vampires. Buffy saves the world. But Buffy can't stop an aneurysm that has no cause and is just a freak accident. And that terrifies her.
1: Also, on the flip side, Buffy is surrounded by death all the time. It's Absolutely, not, it's not a new concept to her, mm-hmm. but it's the first time that she's forced to confront this kind of death.
0: Right. It seems like it's 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 in story and it's also in execution because we 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 we've neglected to mention that this episode was written and directed by showrunner of Buffy, Joss Whedon, who. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he is a genius at this ability to get to the heart and soul emotionally of his characters. That's what made Buffy so great. Uh, That's what made Firefly so great. That's what made his Avengers films so great. Um, There is just a there's a way of writing scenes that feel universal and intimate at the same time Mm -hmm. that he is very, very good at tapping into and in lesser hands, this episode would have been horrendously boring and completely overdrawn and overdramatic and sappy as shit. Mm-hmm.
1: Which is honestly why I chose it, because it's such a good example of storytelling mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and what you can do with that um, in this kind of medium as yeah,
0: well. Absolutely. And what you're and what you can do with something simple. Mm -hmm. With What you can do with repetition. What you can do with with the crushing belief and, um, not belief necessarily, but more like what you can do with what the character thinks should happen Mm -hmm. and what actually happens. And what the audience thinks should happen and what actually happens. That's the crazy thing about this episode to me is that every time when Buffy finds her mother on the – you know what? Actually, I'm just going to read this because (laughs) – so one thing to anybody who actually wants to go back and read this episode. Uh, this is the body um, white pages. Um, the date upon... them. Wow, that's interesting. The date of publication, this is January 22nd, 2001, uh, mm-hmm. are on the script pages. Any I don't know. Anything that happens pre-9-11 in the year 2001 is so interesting to me, just because it's this weird nexus point of American culture. But True. But this is the first... The problem with the, the way the pages are online is that there's really no PDF version. You kind of have to read it all in one go of one kind of scrolling website, but it works totally fine. It's in the same format. So let's see. Teaser. Because this is television, we're broken up into acts, not acts that ha- correlate to um, commercial breaks, basically. So here's the teaser. Interior, Buffy's house, downstairs, day. Buffy enters, dropping her coat in her bag. Buffy, mom, Hey. She notices a bouquet of flowers near the door, moves to them curiously. There's a card, and she reads it. Angle the card reads, Thank you for a lovely evening. See you soon. Question mark, Brian. I think the question mark is Joss Whedon wondering if that's what it actually needs to be said, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> Buffy smiles with only a tinge of sadness, mutters to herself, Still a couple of nice guys out there. She moves to the bottom of the stairs, calling out, Hey, flower-getting lady, you want to pick me to pick up Dawn at school? Mom? She doesn't see that her mother's on the couch behind her, sprawled out in a way that doesn't quite look like sleep. Buffy finally turns, sees her moving toward her. Buffy, oh, mom, what are you doing? Buffy stops. Mom? Angle Joyce. Her eyes are wide open. Her skin is pale, almost bluish. She does not move. Buffy doesn't either. She stands, rooted as realization begins to creep in. Mom? There's no movement. Buffy's voice is little. Mommy? Blackout, end of teaser. Oh, boy. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. It's a lot going on right there.
1: Absolutely. And it also is a great way to begin the episode because it kind of sets the, not tone, but it it goes ahead and, like, lets you know that we're going to be jumping around some, you know, because we have her... Her daydreams and her um, little moments of, like, what could have been
0: that mm-hmm. you jump in
1: and out of. So, like, having, having these blackouts and smash cut, too, like, it really uh, helps with the continu- continuity of this episode.
0: Absolutely. And it's, there's also an element of familiarity and simplicity to what actually happens here. And you can see this in Mm -hmm. the direction. Now, this is one of those cases where we have a writer director having complete control of what happens, how it happens, why it happens. And as it is on the page, for the most part in this episode is how it pans out in the episode where Mm -hmm. Buffy walks in, she sees the flowers and we see her go to the stairs and out of focus behind her. We see her mother sprawled on the couch looking very much not alive. And that first moment of... Because you don't see it. You don't see it uh sharply. It's not pointed out to you. It's just there. And mm-hmm. that is what makes it so heartbreaking.
1: And then, I mean, to go straight into, you know, before she was ever dead <laughs> is just... It, it really starts to play with your feelings even more because you've got this, like, comparing and contrasting of like, before and after death. Right. Um,
0: well, because, well, you know, what's very interesting. So, okay, so I looked this up. Very interesting thing about this episode. And that's... So immediately after that teaser, we go into a flashback of mm-hmm. a Thanksgiving dinner where we introduce basically the cast of this episode. Again, right. again, you need to know basically nothing about any of these characters, you 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 could not have watched an episode of Buffy in your life. You'd get essentially what's going on because uh, you, you, have, you have their friends, Anya, Dawn, Xander, Willow, and Tara. Tara? Tara? Tara. Tara and her mother, Joyce, and her mentor, Giles. They're all there and they're just having a Thanksgiving dinner. And there's no real narrative importance to what they're talking about. They're just kind of there and they're just kind of chilling and they're just having a good time and loving each other. The only reason Joss Whedon wrote that Thanksgiving dinner scene where everybody's happy and getting along is because he didn't want credits running over Buffy's grief. He had oh, to wow. add a scene where where credits could roll over so that her grief in the moment of her um, um, panic was not covered over by the executive producer's name.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: Right? That's so... Wow good it's so cool and it makes so much sense
1: wow well also the reason I love that it's there is because it makes the whole thing feel more like a standalone like you were able to understand the episode because you understand their dynamics a little bit more and like it explains the characters without you having to watch five seasons of Buffy
0: (laughs) right and I think the best thing it explains is that I'm so sorry who is Xander's girlfriend what's her name Anya. That's Anya. It explains that Anya is not... I don't know her story. I don't really know anything about her beyond the fact that she's not a normal human who understands human behavior. Right. That's the only detail about her that you need to know that is essentially explained through comedic dialogue about Santa Claus, which was (laughs) Christmas dinner, not Thanksgiving, but it's comedic dinner about Santa Claus. That's it. And then the Mm -hmm. moment, one of the most affecting moments in this episode, which... Is a contender in Jeremy's mental favorite scene of the episode list. Oh, I don't absolutely. I don't know. I don't know if it's yours or not. But this, the The yeah. scene where <laughs> well, unless you have it, I'll, I'll I'll pick another one. But the scene where Anya breaks down later on and out of complete confusion is oh, so yeah. much well understood.
1: Oh yeah, I have so many thoughts on that monologue.
0: Okay, great. Well, we're going to get to the monologue very soon. Uh, so go ahead.
1: Uh, also in, actually, no, go ahead. I have, I broke down all of my notes, like, per act. Oh, I love it. So, we'll just go ahead. I told you, (laughs) I told you I wrote a paper. I wasn't lying.
0: (laughs) I got one more thing to say about the teaser. So, in the teaser, what's amazing is, and again, this is one of those things that only happens when the director and the writer are the same person. Intent is very easy to see in the direction and on the page. It's a it's a smooth transition throughout. Buffy has the line, Mom, Mom, Mommy. And then we go to black. And for the rest of the time she is in that house, Buffy might as well be an eight-year-old girl.
1: Mm-hmm. She
0: is so scared and timid. Yeah. She is so scared and timid. This girl who is face down unimaginable freaky shit without batting an eye is now crippled and mm-hmm. cannot bring herself to be a thing to be the person in the moment. She cannot be like every time when the, Oh God. Okay. Let's, we can move on to act one because, because just, just the conversation of her with the EMS lady, just when she says she's mm-hmm. cold is should, she's cold. Should I, should I warm her up? Is so should I
1: make her warm? Oh, should
0: I make her warm? Oh my god! Oh my god! That is just like cripplingly sad because it's uh-huh. it's it's what a ch- it's what a child would say about a dog that's sick. It's not mm-hmm. what an adult would say about a, a a person that may be dead. It's so oh.
1: Oh, it's sad. A, it's a real knife twister. Oh god,
0: it sucks. Nine one one emergency.
1: Hello, it's my, my mom. She's she's not breathing. Is she conscious? No, I, 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 I can't, she, she's not breathing. Okay, I need you to give me your address. What? I'm gonna send an ambulance over. say, like 1630 Ravello, it's a house, Ravello near Hadley. I'm
0: sending a unit right away. Are you alone in the house? Yes. And did
1: you see what happened, did she fall? No, no, I, I came home and she, well, what should I do? Do you know how to administer CPR? No, I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Watching Buffy regress into a childlike state of vulnerability is so powerful. Oh, yeah. Like scared Buffy is not something you ever really see. So like this moment is super new for everyone, including including Buffy.
0: Absolutely. And, and, and frankly, this is this is one of those things that you do gain from five seasons of watching the show because mm-hmm. I'm a neophyte. It affects me going into it as just she's a person. Then, and the show is called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, frankly, I understand this is not how she is normally. But if you've watched mm-hmm. this show for five seasons, and and folks at home, this is CW five seasons. That means like twenty <laughs> episodes a season. You spent a hundred ish episodes with this crew with Buffy, and you've never. I'm gonna, seen I'm gonna
1: get emotional. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You've never seen her like, what was it like for you going through these episodes and getting to this moment and seeing her crumble like that?
1: Oh, it's I think that's why it's just so personal. Like, I'm, I'm sure it hits hard for everybody because they do it so well. But like, by the time you're in season five, you're so invested. And if you're anything like me or anyone I know that likes Buffy, like you have either been watching as it airs and you're a diehard fan and you kept up with it and it's super like yeah, impactful or you have binged watched the hell out of this show and you are just like just as passionate but like feeling all of these things in a short amount of time you know
0: absolutely um, so yeah. it's
1: it's pretty powerful no matter how you watched it this but. is true but having yeah. a
0: personal connection, it, it operates on two levels. Either you have a personal connection with these people and you are feeling for them directly, or you have instant empathy with them because these people are acting like anybody would.
1: Mm-hmm. There's
0: nothing because because they are not. They are no longer in a television show. They are no longer in a scripted piece of entertainment. They are no longer beholden to the laws of narrative structure. They are in mm-hmm. a land of chaos where people can just die. And I will argue there's only one moment in this episode that falls under the rules of narrative, and I think it is the only really weak part of the episode, but we'll get to it. (laughs)
1: Um, So one of my favorite things about the script is the use of their term, the body.
0: Yes, oh my God. Which,
1: you know, is why it's called that. But it, it absolutely gets to the root of grief and what that might look like when it's, examined with a microscope you know yeah so it it takes what it is in its most basic form a body and it puts it under the microscope and just you're forced to look at it head on right uh, yeah I really love that
0: acknowledging that this is no longer your mother it -hmm. looks like your mother it feels like your mother it should be your mother this is not your mother and that is something not only is that something that many people have already faced in their life that is something that we will all inevitably face. We will all lose people in our lives. People we love will die. It's this the most terrifying inevitability. It's it's scarier than our own death half the time. And I I don't think Buffy would have thought twice about herself dying. It would not have scared her like she would have gone out swinging, okay. and she would have gone out like the badass she is.
1: Which it's funny you say that because Buffy dies like 3 times.
0: Oh, that's interesting. She, she John Snows it? <laughs>
1: hmm yeah. Interesting.
0: Okay, okay, okay.
1: Um, so, uh, also, with this act one, it gets straight into another part that I love mm-hmm. about this is how great the storytelling it is, how great of storytelling it is to have this tragedy happen, like, right smack in the middle of the biggest threat Buffy has faced yet. Okay, yes,
0: please, and- yeah, please fill me in on that, because that is not a thing that I have any context for.
1: Right, so Buffy in season five is facing arguably the biggest threat she's ever faced, which is this uh, person named Glory. Well, Glory is super strong, and she can't figure out why she's having a hard time fighting her, but it turns out Glory is a god.
0: Oh, god. Literally.
1: Right, so her full name is Glorificus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so Buffy is <laughs> Buffy is like actually fighting a god. Wow. And she is you know facing her biggest demon right now, but all she can do is focus on her mom. Like this tragedy is happening like at the worst possible mm. time, which doesn't it always. Of
0: course. There's never um, a good time.
1: But that being said, the way they use that to build tension mm. in the story is honestly perfect because they have um, her talking to Giles on the phone. Right. And she says she, Buffy says she's in the house. Yes. Well, if you had been watching up until then, you also, like you know Glory's not in the house, but you also immediately think about Glory because Buffy's hiding from Glory.
0: Right. You understand that Giles might think that she is Glory and not what she's Mm -hmm. actually saying.
1: So you're, you are you're on both sides of the phone call. You can, like, feel the panic in Giles and, you know, you also know the depressing truth of
0: it. Absolutely.
1: And then they play with that later when she's telling the paramedics she's in here. You know, like, they just play around with, like, phrases yes.
0: so much. She keeps saying she. Because, mm-hmm. honestly, that's the, that is the running theme of Act 1. Uh, because also a thing that's interesting about this episode is that Joss Whedon specifically wrote there to be four sets. There is the house, there is the school, there is the hospital. And then there is, is that it? There's three, three sets, four sets.
1: Yeah. It house, ends in the morning.
0: No, no, no. House, hospital, house, hospital school, and uh, Willow's apartment. Or or, uh, or, right. or dorm. That's the only scenes that, are, that take place. The only locations that take place in this. It feels very long. It's, conversations continue. It doesn't have the same pacing as other episodes of this show. And he that was a very deliberate decision on the writing front of slowing down mm-hmm. time. The fastest thing that happens this entire episode is the damn theme song. Which <laughs> is a really... I'm just going to say, I understand you have to continue the theme song like you always do, but like...
1: Do you not like the theme song? I don't
0: dislike the theme song. This is not what I'm saying. I'm not breaking up our friendship over this. But what I am saying is... That was
1: my ringtone for years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is that after Buffy saying Mommy, cut to black, oh, yeah. and then... Bam! And Aerosmith riff <laughs> yeah. popping up in the middle of a grieving scene—it's a little, it's a little wonky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little jarring. Um, again, thankfully, it goes right into the not really needed but kind of helpful scene at the dinner table where credits can roll. Because otherwise, it'd just be like. My mother's dead. Yeah, that's
1: it.
0: <laughs> Jasmine, Welcome Jasmine. to Buffy. Welcome to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy the Mom Slayer is uh, <laughs> is still in progress. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, once Joyce dies, there's always tension in the dialogue surrounding her death. Absolutely. Like both from the emotion and like the contrasting procedural. So you yes. have the emotion that you're feeling and then you're forced to watch this much like Buffy is, mm. like, all of these procedural things, like, from the paramedics and the funeral plans and even just some of the, like, moving on aspects of grief. Yeah. Um, it's just, after her death, everything has tension.
0: Yes. Everything is in and flux.
1: Also, in the first act is when you really start to get um the... Impact of the the audio and the lack thereof.
0: Yes, all diegetic um, sound.
1: Like, the, the moment that it really hit me was, especially in the script where it says, Vomits audibly. Oh, right. Like, no other script would you really care about putting Vomits audibly. But it's such an important fact, considering they've done this, like, carefully selected audio mixing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right term, but... Um, no other script, really-
0: yeah. No other script would you do the, the 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 vomiting audibly, or show her take a napkin yes. and soak oh up the vomit.
1: Oh yeah, like the silence allows everything else to stand out so much more. Like it really makes you—it forces you to feel and catch everything else, like the. The moment in the script where it says, as liquid begins to seep through. Right. Because it makes such a statement. Like, grief is all of those little things being hyper in focus because everything else is buzzy and cloudy and numb and silent. Like, there's a reason that they say silence is loud. So I think a good way to end act one is to talk about how gritty and incredibly poetic the line, we're not supposed to move the body. Oh, God. Yes. Is, yes. Like what a jolt.
0: It's it's like, it's the jolt of the thing and also how she reacts to it immediately. Yes.
1: Oh my god. It gave it gives me chills every time I see it.
0: Yeah. Because again, like I think I was saying this, something about this earlier, but it's the book ending of She is my mo- sh- mommy to the body. Mm-hmm. It that oh, is god. that is the book ending of act 1. And once you get mm-hmm. to the body, we're in a whole new ball game of grief. Mm -hmm. We are in the acknowledgement that the horrible has happened and we can't stop it and now we have to deal with it. Right. It's like a whole new thing.
1: In act two, we get to see Dawn's reaction. So her little sister Dawn, we get to see her reaction to their mother's death.
0: With a fantastic, incredible, freaking amazing transition. Oh, yeah. It's so, so... Good. Uh, I just want to read this transition real quick because this is my favorite moment. Considering you stole the best, best one, I am stealing. (laughs) I'm doing this one because I love this transition so much because it's theoretically a very simple thing to do, but it is an incredibly effective thing to do, especially for an episode like this. So, and I've got a lot to say about this act two, but going Mm -hmm. on from here. So, act two, interior, Buffy's living room, day. There is no sound. We are above Joyce, and her head and shoulders is really all we see. Men from the coroner's office are getting her into the black plastic bag. However, they might have to move her. The camera always stays steady directly above her. They begin to zip the bag up. We can hear the zipper. Interior, girls' bathroom, dawn school, day. Dawn is sitting on a sink, crying. Dawn, I can't believe it. Oh, God. We pull back to see her friend Lisa in the mirror behind her, standing, talking to her. Lisa, it's not that bad. Dawn, how can you say it's not that bad? Lisa, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Dawn, Kevin Berman called me a freak in front of everyone. No, no, that's no big deal. The simple act of giving Dawn (laughs) this, in any other day, any other situation, catastrophically horrible moment that she is dealing with when real grief and horror is about to come her way yeah. Is such a narrative gut punch. Cause you cause oh, we yeah. know what's coming. We know how this is gonna end. And her mm-hmm. day is only getting worse, and she's gonna get perspective right quick about what is actually life-changingly bad.
1: Oh yeah, like the setup expectations are so great. Cause Absolutely. I mean we we do see that grief and we understand it, but then the fallout of it being trivial puts her real feelings about her mom, like un- under another, you know, magnifying glass.
0: Absolutely. absolutely. Um,
1: the fact that we get to compare it to what we originally thought and then have it exceed our expectations and feelings about it later is right. just great.
0: Because Dawn's real reaction to grief is not in any way about herself. It's the simple thing of, I want to see the body. Mm-hmm. It's a simple thing that she can control she needs to control something in her life and she needs to see the body it's also
1: story storytelling wise it's the perfect detail to have her be upset about because she already feels like a freak because she's not real right like she's coming to terms with the fact that her whole life is a fabrication and she doesn't know what to believe so like wait how's
0: her how's dawn's whole life a fabrication
1: Okay, so catch up. Wait, Dawn, Dawn's not real. Uh, she was. Uh, how can I sum this up? So C- the whole. <laughs> All
0: right, Jeremy in the future, cue up the Buffy the Vampire Slayer's theme because we're about to get Buffy nerdy. Anyway, continue.
1: Okay, so I might get some facts wrong because even though I am a super fan, I'm not like crazy. Fair enough. Uh, and it's been a minute since I have rewatched it, but uh, Dawn was. So, she just pops up. I forget what season it is, but she pops up, and you're like, "Oh, Buffy has a little sister." Right. And then she just continues on, and you accept it until you find out that she was a fabricated memory. What? Yes. Wait. Because what? These. <laughs> what? Yeah. That, which is. <laughs> what does this which mean? Is why, <laughs> which is why Glory the God is after her because she is uh, a key that. So Dawn uh-huh. is a key. But she's hiding as a human, so she's a human. She's real, like she she can die. But she's fake because she was fabricated. Like these, uh, I forget what they're called, but these like monk-looking people uh-huh. who like control things or whatnot. They hid the key in the form of this girl, okay, to be watched over by the Slayer. Right? Okay, so she's being protected, and the oh, the best way to hide the key is to have her be a fake memory. So everyone believes that Dawn has always been around and she is Buffy's sister is and has so always been Buffy's sister. Weird. But she's but she's actually a fabricated memory. So she just showed up one day as the key hidden in a human body, but everyone believes she's always been there because they altered everybody's memories.
0: Does Buffy know what's the reality or does Giles? Like does who knows well, the reality here?
1: Everyone eventually does. So at this point, Dawn knows too.
0: Whoa.
1: I believe. Yeah, I'm like 99% sure Dawn knows at this yeah, point, no, which is no, why it's shake so shake your,
0: your psyche up a little bit.
1: Right, exactly. So Dawn is in the middle of already feeling like a freak because she's, you know, having to be reassured by everyone that, like, even though that's who she is, like, she's still their sister. Wow. She's still their daughter. Right. So it's super— Important to the story that you know that she's going through all of this other trauma, right? And then she loses her fake mother. Oh my god! <laughs> so it's just so great that this is what they have her dealing with because right. it's such a teenage, it's such a teenager emotion, you know, to like feel unwanted and feel like a freak, mm-hmm. uh, and then to immediately lose your mother who you're already like not sure is your mother. <laughs> is just tra- like traumatizing they
0: are layers on top of layers on top of you know i love layers this show. you love layers you're like <laughs> shrek love onions mm-hmm. that is uh, so also, weird
1: interesting part about this uh classroom setup yeah. is the teacher's assignment did you catch on yeah. to that uh
0: the negative space Yes.
1: I love it. It's the, way so good. the teacher, The way she even describes negative space is such a perfect description of what's going on in this episode.
0: hundred mm-hmm, percent. Let me see. Okay. It's, um,
1: I have it. Right you now. have it. You
0: have it. Please. I want <laughs> no. to hear it. Yeah. Right here.
1: Um, so the teacher says, okay, remember we're not drawing the object. We're drawing the negative space around the object. We just draw the edges of the figure and then give me a sense of the spaces around, the space in between. Wow. Like, wow.
0: That's fantastic.
1: (laughs) Like, what do you do when something's not there anymore? What does the rest look like? Which is exactly what the script is doing, the audio is doing, Mm -hmm. the filming is doing. Like, you're getting a sense of the negative space.
0: You're getting the sense of filling this everything around everybody just like weird like bodies in a weird empty like because every set in this in this episode is also very open and people are kind of walking Mm -hmm. around and they're just filling this big cavernous area with their confusion because nobody Mm -hmm. knows what to do so interesting
1: uh my one of my favorite lines from act Not lines, but my favorite descriptions Mm -hmm. in Act 2 is when Dawn finds out. Like, it's at the very end, and it it says, None of her screams or pleading or anything, making a dent in the wave of grief crushing her. Oh, my God. Like, that's such an accurate description of grief.
0: (laughs) And I love how much how Joss Whedon bookends so well, even on the page in a way that you would never really... You do see it in the movie, in the show, but you don't need to see it lights away where it's like the last word of act two is negative space. Mm -hmm. And then you're out. It's like, oh, God, you didn't have to do that. We knew what you were doing. (laughs) But that's an example of on the page writing being incredibly literary in a way that is very affecting for a reader. And immediately I understand exactly not only what he's going for, but what you will see. The emotion, the tone, the camera, everything. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, So I was going through my notes for Act 3, and my very first sentence is, good God, I love Act 3 so
0: much. (laughs) Act 3 is great. Act 3 is some good, 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 good character shit, repetition. Uh, Honestly, there's a joke in there that's actually really funny, um, it's
1: like the meat of the story, I think.
0: It really is because it's because again, it's the negative space. It's not about mm-hmm. what Buffy is feeling inside or even what Dawn is feeling. It's about how do we help our friend?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How yeah. do we help them cope? Do I wear this color or this color? Wait, this color is wrong because they'll think this. I don't know how to do this. This can't be something that isn't just happened out of the blue. I have to have somebody to blame. I have to have somebody to hit and attack and I'm going to punch mm-hmm. a wall. It's all about the
1: the trivial yes it's about the trivial and the what now and what is this you know like
0: yeah and also thinking that the trivial will actually have any real effect on actually how people feel
1: right it's to me it was my favorite because it it encapsulates all of the other little things you know it it's what we loved about her taking up the vomit in act one but like everything else like it's stuff it's little things that everyone who's lost somebody has once thought or can relate to
0: you know what's such okay so getting into act three this is very interesting because when i watched the episode and then read later i realized that what i thought was just a editing choice was actually an on-the-page decision by whedon to include because every every act after act one is begins with a shot above joyce's body and her just staring up into oblivion and act three begins with her on the slab in the morgue and we hear Mm -hmm. the slicing of scissors as they cut her clothes off of her body and then as we hear the scissors we go to interior willow's dorm room afternoon angle Mm -hmm. on tara Frame close in front of the window, staring at something, still there's no sound but scissors. Angle over Tara to Willow. Then we're cut to Willow. She's just staring and not knowing what to do over scissors. We cut to Anya in the car with Xander. Scissors. Scissors. All we hear Hmm. is them slicing up this person and over a body that is not a woman anymore. And they are silently it's as if they're hearing those noises. It's as if they are yeah. feeling every slice of those scissors. It's a incredibly poignant choice of how to start that scene. How to put everybody in that headspace with a simple just 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 a simple sound mix choice that's written into the script. It's fantastic.
1: Mhm. I think having the couples contrast each other was a smart decision too.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, like Willow and Tara being so in touch with their emotions and Tara being strong for Willow and they understand what's happening. Right. Um, But then <laughs> contrasting that with Anya and Xander, because obviously we have thoughts to say about Anya in this moment. Um,
0: yes, of course.
1: But Xander's another great example of, like, w- types of people after death. Right. And how different types of people cope and handle grief Mm -hmm. and you know xander being angry and having all of this misplaced anger at the doctors um it's just it's a great thing to include because everyone else everyone reacted differently but like i think without xander being this way it would have felt like something was missing
0: it would have felt like you need some you need some physicality you need a physical representation of the inner anger and, right, and, and, and frankly, honestly, there's a lot of white boys out there that punch walls when they're <laughs> u- upset. And that is a very it's an honest reaction. It's a destructive one. But of all the people in that room, he's the one who's going to have that. Mm-hmm. Also, interestingly enough, this. In the sequence, we see Tara and Willow kiss.
1: Oh yes, yeah, it so is cute.
0: it is the first kiss in the entire series of, of the episodes that we see on screen. Also
1: I like that the couples compliment each other. Yes. And they're similar. Yes. Like uh having Anya be uh frustrated and like a lack of emotion complements Xander's like anger and you know out like not as soft, yeah. you know, whereas Willow is just completely broken, and Tara is just like really empathetic and strong and there for her, and
0: what's also interesting so, about Anya, though is that I you can't classify Anya necessarily as not feeling any emotion. She just doesn't know what emotion to feel right she's confused
1: like, well, she even literally says, "What do we do?" right? She's like, like do I change clothes?
0: do I, <laughs> do I punch a she- wall like, what do I do?"
1: She has no idea how to navigate social norms of right. comforting someone after losing a loved one. Wow. Well, she's also, she has no idea of, like, any social norms because she's still learning how to be human.
0: So what is Anya? What is her deal?
1: Anya is an ex-demon.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So Anya used to be a vengeance demon. Okay. And now she is human.
0: Oh, okay, cool.
1: So that's why some of her... uh some of her dialogue is, like, really funny right? because she just, like, is so innocently still a demon. Like, the, she still acts like a demon even though she's a human, interesting. you know? So But, I mean, she's missing the actual evilness, but, like, right. there's something really funny and interesting about her character because of that.
0: Yeah, she just actually has no real idea how to – she knows how to pretend to be a human, but the – True intricacies mm-hmm. of dealing with the grief of grief over somebody being dead that you loved is a mystery.
1: Honestly, Anya is arguably my favorite character out of the whole series because of this. Like all of her dialogue is so funny. It
0: really is. She's she's hilarious. I love how she explains that Santa Claus is not a myth. Uh, he just <laughs> steals and eats little children.
1: It's really. Funny. I'm gonna I'm gonna start sending you a funny Anya dialogue. Please send me funny Anya
0: dialogue. I love Anya. I want I want. I want her words to brighten up my day.
1: She's amazing.
0: Okay, let's see. Um,
1: Wait, is it time to talk about her monologue?
0: Let's do monologue corner, because I can't Ugh. wait to hear you go off on this monologue.
1: This, I mean, it's not unique that I love this part of the this episode, but it's honestly one of the best moments for me, because it's... It's life changing. Like really? I like I go to funerals and think about this. Oh, you wow. know, like when I lose someone or think about death, like Anya is who I think of. Wow. Um, and I don't know if that's because I was like younger when I saw this, or if it's just like that poignant, or <laughs> if it just resonated with me. Yeah. But um, yeah, having her. Anya asks if they're going to see the body, and then later she even says, are they going to cut the body open? (laughs) It's the perfect tension release from any and all of the emotions, like, watching them get defensive and attack her over it, because it is, like, kind of understandable. And you see why, because, you know, you've been there before, so you understand why they're attacking her. But then watching Anya's, like, beautiful little monologue about death puts you in your place. And it makes you examine your own thoughts surrounding death and loss. I, I mean, as well as the story. Like it, for, it's another thing that forces you to examine your own philosophy. You know?
0: Yeah, it's one of those funny things where the character that understands the least is able to articulate the feeling the best.
1: Right. She just said, like, she breaks. She just says, "But I don't understand." And it says something in her tone stops Will. And as she continues, she breaks down more and more. I don't understand how all of this happens, how we go through this. I mean, I knew her, and she's—there's just a body. I don't understand why she can't get back in it and not be dead. It's stupid. It's it's mortal, and it's stupid. Sanders crying and not talking. I was having fruit punch, and I thought that Joyce would never have any more fruit punch, and she'd never have eggs or yawn or brush her hair. Not ever, and no one will explain. Are they going to cut the body open? Oh, my God. Would you just stop talking? Just shut your mouth. Please. What am I doing? How can you act like that? Am I supposed to be changing my clothes a lot? Is that the helpful thing to do? Guys. The way you behave. Nobody will tell me. Because it's not okay for you to be asking these things. (laughs) But I don't understand. I don't understand how this all happens, how we go through this. I mean, I knew her and then she's, there's just a body and I don't understand why she just can't get back in it and not be dead anymore. It's stupid. It's mortal and stupid and, and Xander's crying and not talking and, and I was having fruit punch and I thought, well, Joyce will never have any more fruit punch. Ever and she'll never have eggs or yawn or brush her hair. Not ever. And no one will explain to me why. Like <sighs> <laughs> it, it it takes.
0: <sighs> yeah. It creates you know? it creates specificity. Cause then you just think of the fact that, oh my god.
1: Life lost is a
0: loss is a loss of a million moments of routine and trivialness. And it's a tragedy. You'll never be able to be trivial again.
1: But I think what's so powerful about the monologue is not just the words. It's the way they set up the words. Oh, yeah. You know, like you have that tension build up between her not fitting in her not getting it. And you're they're mad at her. Mm -hmm. And then you just see her so innocent And she's very candidly describing their grief. Yes. Very much so. So it's just, it's the perfect way to show on screen emotion Mm -hmm. and explain a concept.
0: We talk about this all the time when it comes to audience surrogates and putting people in a position where they are discovering And something is new to them. And they have Mm -hmm. to understand a foreign concept. And while television works slightly differently, that is still a tool that is very effective. And Anya, frankly, is that tool. Anya doesn't understand grief and needs somebody to tell her that we don't know how it works. Like, she is the person who everybody explains stuff to but this can't be explained and for the audience mm-hmm. it's important to articulate that it's important for there to be a person that the characters can say this happened and we don't know why and that's all we have as opposed to, because because if that's not the case then you're still assuming that everybody's okay you're still assuming that everybody else understands what's going on and is okay, but if you have a character that's truly saying, "I don't know what's happening," please tell me everything's going to be okay, and they're like, "We don't know."
1: Well, it's just like anytime someone dies, you, someone is going to have to explain that death to a child. Yes, and that like that's what it's like. Absolutely, absolutely. Um. Also, to continue like the phrase of it being a body, mm. this is. A great way to keep bringing that up. Absolutely. Because she, like, yes, there's a body, but, like, I don't understand why she can't just get back in it. Right. And not be dead. Because like, I'm assuming... That is such a concept of just, like, well, why can't you? It's
0: so interesting because I'm assuming Anya was a demon that could possess people.
1: Uh, or is possession no, not could- a thing in the show? Uh, It's not, like, a common thing. Okay. It, it probably happens, but, like, okay. you no, know, she was a vengeance demon. Gotcha, so gotcha. she... She basically just uh, was really angry all the time, and took out her anger on people who needed vengeance. Okay, like people would, people would uh, conjure her to enact vengeance upon someone who had done them wrong. Interesting,
0: but yeah. but there is certainly a level of like she is in a world where right. concepts of life and death are much more gray, and this is right, a very stark she... black and white thing that feels right. like it should be fixable.
1: Right. And like you are in a world of the living dead with vampires and, uh, you know, a world with demons. Mm -hmm. And it's like, can't can't we do something?
0: And there's nothing Um, to do.
1: Yeah. Which, I mean, you eventually see later uh, Willow going through the the same grief after losing Tara and she freaks out and like tries to raise the dead. And you see what problems that causes. Raising the dead is never a good idea. Guys. Well, guys. she tries to raise she tries to raise Buffy from the dead, not Tara. Well, was Buffy still, was dead and point. then
0: Tara was dead. Oh, so, so many people are dying. Yeah.
1: <sighs> Which exactly, so many people are dying, and some make it back and some don't. But let's but like the fact that Joyce is human and mortal and soft and squishy and Buffy's mom and everybody loves her, but yet she can't come back. And also you know? she like,
0: dies for a stupid reason.
1: Right, like you, you expect like she's surrounded by all of this yeah. violence, and her daughter literally kills vampires. But and you think that maybe Glory's gonna kill her, you know. Yeah. But she dies of a brain aneurysm. Like that's so.
0: She dies alone. In her house so helpless of a brain that that, because buffy couldn't say that's why we didn't even talk about the flashes of (laughs) buffy thinking imagining that her mother actually begins to breathe and the paramedics taking her away and her saying oh "Oh my god it's a miracle and then (laughs) just slamming back into the scene and being like no no she's she's dead oh my god we didn't even talk about the crack We didn't even talk about the damn crack. The most heartbreaking part of this episode where Buffy is giving her mother CPR and she gives her mouth to mouth. And she goes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. Gives her mouth to mouth again. And it's like, okay, okay. Pushes on her chest. One, two, three, crack. Mm -hmm. She's like, I think I broke her. And they're like, you broke your rib. It's okay. And she's cold. And the second, the second. The the, the the paramedic the lady the lady on nine one one hears that she's cold. She's like, "Oh no, mm-hmm. I know what this is." And Buffy doesn't know. And then she has that great line you said earlier. It's like, "Should I make her warm?" Okay, very simple. You want to tilt your mother's head back, cover her
1: mouth with yours, and breathe into her mouth. <sighs> I know this. I know with. this. I can do this. I can do this. I can.
0: Uh, five,
1: six, seven, eight. Oh, oh God!
0: I, are you there? I, I broke something. Hello. It cracked. Is she breathing? No. Paramedics should be there in a moment. You
1: might have cracked a rib. It's
0: not important. She's cold. The body's cold? No, my mom. Sh- should I make her warm? It's just... It's,
1: uh, Heartbreaking. Uh, 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 there, there's so many things you could talk about with this.
0: So many. Um, all right, let's get into Act 4. Okay, so I, can, yes. I can't walk away without saying the weird um, confluence of... <laughs> Xander having a line that says, You're right, Avengers gotta be get with the assembling <laughs> I considering <it laughs> 10 years after this, Joss Whedon's directing the Avengers. But that's to, that's neither here nor there. Um so Act Four is interesting to me. Yes. Because Act Four features the only moment in this episode that I really wish wasn't there. Ooh, what? Do you know what this is? No. There is no goddamn reason why a vampire needs to be in that morgue.
1: Oh, I disagree strongly.
0: I am ready for this bout. Madison, you have the floor. Soapbox time.
1: (laughs) Okay. Here is my take on the, the vampire in the morgue next to her mother. Like, having a bastardized version... Of their greatest wish at the moment, life after death. Yes. What, what they want their mom to have. Yes. Then attacks Dawn and Buffy is forced to get back to business and take care of it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, the fact that it's happening at the end of this episode, it really encapsulates, like, what happens after death, after you experience a death, you know? You have to get back to business. Like, you can't just sit in your grief like she couldn't just sit there and be sad while Don is attacked like she had to protect Don and then like having the sheet pull off of her mom's dead body like her actual dead body after seeing this like bastardized version of of life after death like you see the body one last time you see the body and you get to see Don's reaction to the body which is what she wanted you know And have her go to touch it, and then black out. Like that part, I absolutely love.
0: That I'm totally on board. You're
1: immediately—it's like a cold cut out of this universe and out of your head, and all you're left with is your feelings about what just happened.
0: Right. I'm totally on board with this, and I guess it keeps with the idea that yes, we're in the real world now with what death can occur, but Mm -hmm. they're still vampires. (laughs) This is all still a thing. We're still dealing with it. I understand all that. It just felt like. uh, What I wish was that the idea of Buffy killing a vampire at that point in the morgue with the other bodies around, I feel like it could have been executed more effectively. Because I also, I hate to. Do you want
1: it to happen like on the walk home?
0: (laughs) I hate to Sunday morning screenwriter. So I'm not trying to really do that. But it's like there's a way to do it where, frankly, Dawn walks into the morgue. And there's a bunch of bodies laying out there, and she doesn't know which one it is. And she pulls off the sheet on one. She pulls off the sheet on another. And then the third body sits up.
1: Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: And she thinks that's her mom.
1: Oh, wow. And she has the
0: moment of, Mom? You can even repeat the mom, mom, mommy sequence. You can even do that. And then she pulls it off, and it's a (laughs) fucking vampire. And then... Buffy can come in this everything like it gives Willow this moment of hope because in the episode it's proper it feels like she immediately knows which body covered is her mother it's the one at the far end of the hall of the of the building of the room and she just has to Mm -hmm. go to it but if 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 you had that that tension of oh my god did my mom come back oh my god it's just a fucking vampire yeah you're like motherfucker (laughs) <laughs> and then what are you supposed to do with that? Like you're just you're just like, well, damn, life really is stuck right now, isn't there? Um, yeah. And then like the body, like during the fight, you could have opened up one of the slabs on the in the wall, and like a shelf could have pulled out, and then there's your mother. Like I just I feel like yeah. I feel like there's a okay. way to make that a little more dramatic.
1: Totally agree. I just think that taking the vampire out completely would have like been a bad decision
0: okay uh, we can we can agree on that I, <laughs> the vampire can be used well I just don't think the vampire was used as well as it could have been but frankly I'm splitting hairs because it's an incredible piece of writing this entire episode and I'm just kind of being picky about how I would like my vampire to be introduced in the morgue of this <laughs> hospital where the sister is grieving the mother's death yeah
1: I just love <sighs> the symbolism of the vampire so I was happy I <laughs> totally see
0: what you're saying but like I would I I didn't quite get that and I wish that I had I hmm. wish that...
1: V- well, you haven't seen it a million times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I feel you. I just, I, I want to have that last gut punch. And the, the mm-hmm. episode feels like it ends on a, gotta have a skirmish and kill a vampire. And oh yeah, there's still a yeah. the body there. It it felt like it lost its um.
1: Yeah, some of its dramatic made- weight. You could have made the, the point across a little bit better, yeah. Yeah,
0: that's my only thing. Everything else about this episode is absolutely fantastic. I love every second. It flies by. It is a breezy fucking hour of an episode, and it's incredibly well-structured and qual- incredibly well-written and does a lot of stuff you never see in television shows. It is a mm-hmm. very revolutionary piece of writing and direction and acting and structure.
1: Also in Act Four, we get another of one of my favorite lines from Anya. Uh, she's still in that like yeah. childlike can't, like childlike candor, I yeah. guess, and it's it's refreshing to Buffy, which I liked. Like Buffy didn't take offense to right. it because it's so honest. And <laughs> Anya blurt[s] out, "I wish that Joyce didn't die." <laughs> everyone, else, everyone is made momentarily uncomfortable. Anya. Because she was nice, and now we all hurt. Oh. And then Xander says, Anya, ever the wordsmith. That's so sweet, but, though. Right? Like, I love that Buffy isn't offended. No. and She's just like, thank you. <laughs> because
0: you know where that's coming you know, from.
1: Yeah, it's just like, like those are the best moments of comfort when you can tell that someone like is just really honest and means it, and they're not just, like, full of emotion. And, like, you're, you know, it was a nice, like...
0: Because what's funny about all the moments of like Willow trying to find the right dress, trying to find the right thing to say, right. there's nothing you can there's, say.
1: There is nothing, nothing you can you, say. Like, you
0: can buy all the snacks in the world. Buffy's right. not going to eat anything. Like, it's, mm-hmm. she's, it's not going to help. It's, you want to help because, again, it's, this episode's brilliant because it plays off the idea that we have in our lives and we have narratively is that there's a problem. We fix that problem. Mm-hmm. There's a problem. We can somehow maneuver a way to make it right. But when somebody dies like this, you can't you can't even get revenge. You can't even kill the person who killed her because it wasn't aneurysm. Mm -hmm. It's a one in a million. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, I totally forgot the other amazing piece of freaking dialogue that I love so much in this back forth. uh, Fourth act. Let me find it. Where's the doctor? Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, pot. And clap. Oops. Okay. Now we're back into it. Okay. Yep, Um, still recording. Hang on one sec. Let me just... Oh, no. (laughs) You're good. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. It's when... Okay. So, it's interior hospital room day. Buffy is talking to... The I'm doctor, an Giles, is with her, I and I he's basically the bat, explaining like the what side button,
1: happened. That what happened off. could not
0: have been fixed. There's nothing Buffy could have done. So, and this is continuing this thought where he, she was basically asking, could I have helped, or basically could I have done anything? There's a quick flash into the ambulance as if Buffy had been there in time, and everything's working out good, and everybody's happy, and then we flash back to the hospital, back to reality. Doctor, it's doubtful this could have been dealt with in time. Giles, well, thank mm-hmm. you, doctor. Buffy. You're sure there wasn't any pain. Angle, the doctor, looks right into camera, and though he says, absolutely, Mm. I think we can be almost positive of that. What we hear, as if inefficiently dubbed, is, absolutely, I have to lie to make you feel better. That's amazing. Oh, my God. I love the action line looks right into camera and and no no it's what we hear as if inefficiently dubbed because we know exactly what that sounds like it's like a bad japanese movie dubbing job it is incredible and it's just oh god it's just what buffy is acknowledging oh, yeah. we all know the truth but we're gonna lie about it right now because we're trying to help and feel better but it's not possible oh it's oh, so yeah. good and it's, it's inventive And it's raw and it feels (laughs) so immediate and it feels so personal Uh, because I know a lot of this was based off of Joss Whedon's Mm -hmm. personal experience. I think his mother had died in a very similar way and he had to deal with it in a very similar way. Um, But rarely do you see your characters. And I say rarely, rarely at the time. In 2001, characters in science fiction weren't really dealing with stuff like this. They weren't really facing real world shit happening. You were in comic books, but not in television. Not really right. in movies. Everything is fairly heightened. Nowadays, every other sci-fi property, superhero property, everything mm-hmm. else is dealing with intimate, real-world problems and real-world issues, and that's where real drama comes in, and that's why you care for people, because they're dealing with stuff mm-hmm. that they would deal with otherwise, even if they weren't super-powered.
1: Right. Oh, that reminds me. Uh, I forgot another bit of dialogue that was also my favorite between Buffy and Tara where Buffy asks her where it says Buffy nods gratefully Tara retreats into herself a bit thinking she's gone perhaps gone too far talking about how Tara's mother died and Buffy says was it sudden Tara says what Buffy says your mother Tara no thinks a moment and yes a beat it's always sudden oh that is so true. it is always sudden, so it, but see, that's also such a great way for Tara to actually comfort Buffy because it's true, like you know, even if it wasn't sudden, it's always sudden, so like yeah. don't feel bad that you feel so like rug ripped out from underneath you because it's always going to feel like that, no there's, matter how it happened.
0: There's no wrong way to feel about this. there's no wrong right. way to feel um everything is okay. Mm-hmm. And you'll get through it. That's also the that's also the very nice thing about having Tara there is that Tara can acknowledge to Buffy, mm-hmm. "You're going to survive this. I got through it. You can get through it. It's going to suck, but everything can be okay as well as it can be okay." And it's so- also no oh, go ahead. No, you're good. Go.
1: <laughs> I love Willow in this scene too because I I just love Willow because she's so cute. <laughs>
0: she's right. Like the
1: fact that she comes back with like. All of the vending All the machine. snacks. And Buffy looks at it, and Willow goes, we panicked. <laughs> <laughs> we panicked.
0: Oh, God, uh, it's so sweet. And they care about each other so much. And that's shows that last five seasons of two 20 episodes a season only get there because the characters love each other. Um Incidentally enough, I just got out of a movie that is a long-running series of films about characters that love each other. And this is a fourth movie. There are no fourth movies that should make you cry. They shouldn't be a thing. They shouldn't exist. This movie, I wept from the first five minutes until the credits started rolling. It was sublime, and I'm angry at the people who made it. (laughs) <laughs> for making me feel things. Um, and the same thing would happen with something like this, because this is season five of Buffy. Like, if they can keep getting you this, these feels, if they can hit you this hard, that's the sign of really good story craftsmanship, and kudos all around to not only Whedon, but the entire room and the actors and everybody involved, because this kind of episode doesn't happen without a full commitment by everybody involved to make Mm -hmm. this thing sing and it really does and it is a weird love letter to grief and but also to friendship and family and the inevitability of death coupled with love from the people closest to you.
1: I am 100% going to go watch Buffy now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think you may have got Kristen on Buffy, actually. She watched it up and she's like, damn, man, I'm going to watch Buffy now. I'm like, do it, dude. But apparently, according to you, you should skip the first season. Is that correct?
1: I mean, to any Buffy fans out there, don't shoot me. But, like, I feel like it's a common consensus thing of just, like, skip it. If you don't think you're going to get through it. Like, if you're committed, obviously do it. Of course. But if that's something that's going to stop you from, like, keeping going, I recommend starting with season two.
0: Okay. Well, if I went back and started, I'd probably start with season two because season one was the one that stopped me. Like, I stopped like four episodes right. in.
1: Yeah. I, I Pretty much across the board, I would just say, start with season two, finish it all the way to season seven, and then when you're super depressed that it's over, you still have season one to go back to. And
0: don't you know, too, have the comic books, too? There's like comics that continue the yeah. continuity?
1: Yep. I mean, they, it doesn't follow what the show would have done if right. it had continued because... And the reason they did that is because uh they had always wanted to experiment more with uh, what they could do with the story sure. if they weren't hindered by budget and of course. what you could put on screen. Understandable. So what's interesting about the comics is it's almost what they wished Buffy could have been. Interesting. Because they got to explore more and they could do strange things, but... um The comics are cool.
0: I love it. Well, Madison, thank you for taking us down this road of vampire slaying (laughs) and crying and fruit punch drinking and vomit, toweling up and regression of badass characters into infantile versions of themselves (laughs) through grief. Uh, Uh,
1: I always pick the best.
0: You really do. Your picks are amazing. Your picks send me down rabbit holes of fantastic (laughs) recommendations. I cannot speak more highly about them um, to everybody that I know.
1: Which I bet is a surprise. I bet you're expecting a lot of rom-coms.
0: Not at all, actually. (laughs) You have impeccable taste, uh, Madison. And also, don't sleep on some rom-coms. There's some Uh badass rom-coms out there that we can absolutely cover. I'd love to hit up some rom-coms because that structure is a very interesting world to dive into.
1: Oh my god, we gotta do something's gotta give.
0: I'm down for it. Next ne- next 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 year pick. <laughs> Whatever you want. I'm in. I'm I'm in for any road you want to take me down, Mads, because you always take me down a fun place.
1: <sighs> Honestly, I pick television because it's shorter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And there's a one point you wanted you you think you wanted to be uh what was it you want to do? You wanted to do the um the Dolly Parton movie. What was it? Oh, Mag- nine- Steel Magnolias.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I've never seen. Fart.
0: I've never seen Steel Magnolias. Oh,
1: that, okay. No, that's my next pick. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to stick with that. Perfect. I knew I was going to do Buffy and Steel Magnolias, and now it's just like a given. We're going to do Steel Magnolias. Excellent. And I'm going to make you cry again.
0: Ah, uh, yes. I love to cry. Crying's the best. If I cry in an episode of television or a movie, I know it did its job right. This is mm-hmm. perfect. Well, I, all right, Mads. Julia
1: Roberts is going to have you in tears.
0: I want Dolly Parton to make me cry. Let's do this. <laughs> I'm excited. Perfect. Alright, Mads, let's wrap it up for page right. for page break this week. I'm Jeremy.
1: And I'm Madison.
0: And break.